I'm Jake Gauntley, and this is SEO in 2024. Jake, what's your number one SEO tip for 2024? My SEO tip for 2024 is that it is okay to not know exactly how generative AI and, and SGE is going to change the long-term future of search because none of us really do. But Google have already admitted that they are acting boldly and reimagining their core search product. So while we are kind of in the unknown or we're stepping into the unknown, um, we should still obviously be forward thinking and aware about the future of the data that we use and how our search strategy will kind of be impacted in the future as well. Yeah, I mean, it's um, obviously we uh, don't know for certain about um, how the SERP will continue to evolve over the the years ahead, but um, we, we need to hypothesize and um, come up with potential scenarios that um, we can perhaps amend our strategies towards. So what's likely to get impacted by SGE uh, initially? Well, I think it's, there's there's been a common theme with organic search over the last five, 10 years of declining organic click-through rates. You know, if you think about how SERPs have evolved since that, you know, the, the early days of just 10 blue links, there's always been a decline in traffic going to sites through organic links, whether that be through, you know, increased in paid spots or just Google and other search engines making the result more useful to a user and catering for that user intent straight away when they land on the SERP. So declining click-through rates and organic traffic as a result of that is not necessarily anything new. And the SEO industry and, and SEO as a discipline has evolved and adapted from that. And I think that's really what we're going to see. You know, that's not one of the SEO is dead scenarios, which seem to happen, you know, every month, every year. Really, it's about thinking how we adapt and how our strategy adapts as well. Because SEO has a lot of very, very useful skills that work kind of a benefit outside of SEO. So, yeah, it's just thinking about, you know, how we then work with clients or, or the business that we work for and adapt those skills to, to show the bene- benefit of that outside of search, as well as keep trying to get traffic from search itself. So is the way that we have to optimize to appear in the number one AI-driven answer different compared with um, the way that we have to optimize to appear in the number one SERP result? I mean... It's a great question. I think that's the number one question really in SEO over the last year or so since, since the AI results have, have came out. I think the, really to win in organic search right now, it, you're not necessarily optimizing a page for a keyword. It's about optimizing the digital experiences for users. And over the last you know three to five years with Google algorithm updates, it, there has been this shift on, you know, providing like holistic optimization of your website. So whether that is through things like page experience and improving like site speed for users or providing, you know, genuinely useful in-depth content if users looking for in-depth content or making sure that the media using your content is tailored towards that user intent or even like offsite signals, like, you know, building out a positive brand perception through, through digital PR. All of these holistic signals, like they come together to improve search rankings, whether that be, you know, in the classic blue links, or you'd imagine 
the same thing within generative AI results as well. Realistically, that's, you know, what Google and other search engines have shown that they like to, you know, rank highly. It, it would be quite a significant shift if, if that was to kind of change within generative AI results as well. I mean, one of the big challenges, of course, is that um, if your your brand does get featured within an AI-driven answer, then how do you track that? How do you track the user from that result deciding to go into your website? I mean, is it trackable directly from that result or do you have to find some other way of determining where that user came from? It, it's a brilliant question. And this is where, uh, within my tip, and I'm talking about like, you know, the data that we currently use or have used in the past to to talk about SEO and to benchmark performance is not really going to be the same within these generative AI answers. You know, if someone is typing a question and someone types the same question, but a slightly nuanced, different way, the it might actually give a slightly different answer to that, which might pull in, you know, a different source for that. So it's going to be really hard to kind of track performance within those results over time in a way that we've kind of historically done with like classic keyword rank tracking, if you like, where things are, although it fluctuates, it's a little bit more stable. It's, you know, it's just 10 blue links, it's not this kind of generative AI content. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the SEO industry adapts to that. And again, you know, I don't have an answer to that right now, as my, as my tip kind of says, it's like, I don't, I don't have that answer. And, and really until we start to get that data through from, you know, whether it be third party suppliers or even um, Google themselves, because, you know, Google haven't really been open and honest about the kind of data we are going to get from SG performance. So again, it's kind of stepping into the unknown, but with the whole kind of I suppose one of the USPs of these like generative AI, you know, features within searches is that it can be a conversation with that person and they can ask things that are bespoke to their need. So everyone is going to be getting slightly different answers and tracking that is obviously going to be a big job because there's going to be so many variations. Um, so I do not envy the person whose job it is to try and come up with the, the right data there, but good luck to them. I mean, it feels almost as if tracking for SEO is going down the route of where PR used to be. So you, you almost had to have um, user groups to discuss um, what publications um, users read and mm -hmm. um, maybe have uh, conversations with users directly to get a feel for the, uh, the, the, the funnels that they tend to take prior to making a purchase decision. Is it, are, the, are these the kind mm -hmm. of discussions that SEOs are going to have to be more involved in in the future? I think it, it would be a really interesting concept, you know, to have people come together in like a focus group and you say, right, here's something that you need to do in search and, and watch the differences between the information that those people get. Obviously, whether or not that's a cost effective way of, of doing things, I can't imagine it, it would be cheap to hire all those people's time, but it is going to be interesting to see how, you know, the information that people get dippers and the brands that they see through those experiences within um, SGE as well. And another challenge, of course, is comparing what you're getting at the moment with your historical data as well, because obviously you're used to perhaps having perhaps not 10 blue links on the SERP, but a, a more traditional looking SERP. So how do you compare how you're performing with in 2024 with how you used to perform with a couple of years ago? Yeah, again, a brilliant question. Like the the value of uh, position one rank with SGE 
is not going to be the same as a position one rank, you know, pre SGE. So although, you know, if you're looking at a ranking report and you can see you're still ranking position one, but you're getting significantly less traffic from that, there is going to need to be that kind of the the pre and post comparison there. Like, you know, the data is not like for like. It would be really interesting, you know, in that situation if you, you know, used to rank one and you still rank one, but your your traffic has, has decreased, you know, pulling almost like a, like a CTR curve for your rankings and, and seeing like, right, just how much has my click-through rate decreased in position where I typically rank position one now versus what it did in the past. And, and that's something even pre-SG that we've done for, for clients and businesses that we work with when uh, new SERP features get added to like a, a SERP for a keyword that is really important to them. And if we show them like, look, your ranking has remained stable, but the average click-through rate you're getting for this set of keywords, so it might be a cluster of, you know, 10, 50, 100 keywords, whatever it is, we can like visualize with a CTR curve just how much their CTRs dropped. So although it looks on paper on the rankings report that things are looking good, uh, realistically, because of things that are outside of our control, click-through rate has dropped and you can kind of show them the data to back that up. So is there anything NSEO can be doing now to actually future-proof their site to make it more likely that they will appear uh, for that number one result, for that AI-driven result? I think the in terms of future-proofing your website, like the 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 whole strategy of being an authority on a topic and, and providing um, you know information about a whole topic or entity is still going to be important in terms of showing Google that you know what you're talking about and the information that you have is worthwhile them showing in whatever type of result. So those kind of, you know, the tactics that have come out of things like the helpful content update and EEAT, all of those are still going to be very important. But I think there's like, Maybe an additional step of once you, you know, you need to future-proof yourself for organic search success. And that is always going to be those things of, you know, making sure you have the content, your your tech SEO, your UX is great, you're, you're doing, you know, you've got links, all that kind of stuff. But then also then how does your search strategy change to possibly even take customers outside of a, a search interaction with your brand and then you can own that customer interaction through different channels. So taking it out of search itself. Yeah, so analytics are all the more important to really understand your customer journey because for some brands, perhaps they're going to have to rely more on um, generative search, but um, other brands, perhaps um, the users may be less likely to use those types of results. Can we utilize GA4 for all of this? Or do you favor other analytics packages to, to, to really understand the full user journey? I mean, GA4 is what it is. I can't say I'm, I'm a, a huge fan of it right now, but realistically, I think it's one of those situations where a lot of brands or sites might be stuck with what they have because of the historical data that they have with that or you know the ties that they have. I don't think any analytics package that, I, that I've really used is, is perfect. So obviously GA has its flaws and that's fine. You know, we'll get by with what we have. But I think really in terms of that, that customer journey and understanding that, that customer journey, what I would like to see from brands or, or what I would recommend in terms of future proofing that is, you know, 
gathering zero party or first party data through whatever channel people come to your website from, whether that be you know search or whatever, and then brand taking more of an ownership over using that data so they can have direct contact with their customers through CRM. And if you've created that positive brand experience through your search strategy when people land on your site, obviously if you can give them some sort of value that makes it that they want to give you their email address or whatever it be then you can kind of cut out the middleman of organic search and kind of invest in trying to foster that relationship directly with them instead. It's intriguing that email seems to be just as important as it was 20 years ago. I mean, are customers going to rely on chatbots, on other forms of um, online communication, or do you see email as being absolutely key over the next few years still? Chatbots are an interesting one, to be honest, because uh, you know, there could be a lot of potential there with chatbots if they can get the technology really authentic. Like, so it seems like an authentic and genuine experience. I think my experience from chatbots is that I've typically not really been able to do what I've wanted to do within that. So I think, you know, if a brand wants to invest in something like, like chatbots, if it's not done well, then that can kind of break that relationship between a user and the brand because you're not really providing a great experience there. Well, you know, as we've seen the as much as, you know, AI, it, it's changing so quickly. So there is the possibility that, you know, pretty soon those experiences of AI led chatbots could be a lot more authentic than they've been in the past. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, it's about a brand getting their online communications preference center right um, for, for, for each consumer, because certain consumers prefer using WhatsApp rather than email or maybe another mm-hmm. uh, online messaging service. And uh, other would be, you know, ha- happy using search. Uh, I had someone knock on my door recently and um, um, asked me to sign up for a service. And I give them my, my email address. They say, we, we need your phone number as well. I don't want any phone call. Thank you very much. Yeah. I just want you to send me an email, but we need a, a phone number as well. And it's, it's that understanding of what a customer prefers that yeah. many brands are still struggling with. Yeah, I think it is down to what the, the customer prefers. And a lot of bigger brands maybe have those options. I mean, you see more and more now, like brands who are operating through through WhatsApp, even like big companies, even like things like TV shows and, and radio stations now have like a, a, a contact us through WhatsApp. Um, so it is showing that, you know, organizations and companies do adapt to what a user wants. But yeah, whether a brand has all of the options available rather than just saying, no, you have to have a, a text or you have to have an email. Yeah, it's not necessarily what all users want. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, hopefully, you know, if the brand has the the kind of infrastructure in place to be able to offer multiple ones, it would be it would be great or specific ones to what you want. If an SEO is struggling for time, what should they stop doing right now so they can spend more time analysing their data and um, ensuring that their site uh, is optimised for SG in twenty twenty four? As I said at the at the very beginning of this, you know, stop worrying if you don't know how AI within the SERP is going to completely change your SEO strategy and if you don't know what the future looks like it's okay because you know the industry doesn't really so the 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 more that you stop worrying about that and you know take ownership of the fact that you don't know and and, and we don't know as an industry but starting to think about right well what might it look like and what can I do to try and future proof myself I think that kind of gives you the power to then be like right I'm, I'm making these decisions based on what I do know or what we on the assumptions that we've made and hopefully that takes at least some worry off your plate 
Jake Gauntley is Senior SEO Account Director at Kineso, and you can find him over at jakegauntley.com. Jake, thanks so much for being part of SEO in 2024. Thank you very much. I've been your host, David Bain. Get your copy of SEO in 2024, the book, over at seoin2024.com. <laughs>